As we turn our attention to God's word this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 38. Let us listen now for a word from the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and he went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candake, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, in his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for bidding on me in the auction. I am so flattered that somebody your age would be a fan of my work. I don't know who you are. My ex really wanted to meet you, so he bid. How much? Twenty-two. $2,200? That's fantastic. $22. It started at 20 and then it went up in 50 cent increments. I'm a comedy writer. All right, guys, very funny stuff. I also write for Broadway and movies. Why is your face suddenly bigger than it was before? Oh, my God, are you allergic to seafood? Oh, my God. She doesn't have insurance, and she really shouldn't be leaving here by herself. Your daughter is going to be fine. My... Why would you tell the doctor that I was your father? I was a little loopy by then. Are you doing anything right now? No. Want some laughs? Come on, queen, smile, girl, smile. Marilyn Monroe from The Seven Year Itch. Mm. Doctor, thanks for seeing me so late. How's the writing going? It's all of these young kids. Are you doing what we talked about? I try not to vary my routine. You have medicines to help you. Who are they? That's my family. If they're your family, why do you have their names written down? Charlie, you can't be alone anymore. If you ever need my help, I'm here. I'm writing something, and I have to finish before my words run out. I'll take care of them. May I ask what your relationship is? I don't know. I don't know. The road less traveled is the hottest I know. Do you live here? I'm his friend. But your dad needs you right now. 
I mean, this young woman is full of surprises. This is no time for jokes. It's the perfect time for jokes. <laughs> you funny, old man. Everybody needs somebody sometime. Everybody needs somebody sometime. I want to have fun. I want to laugh. I want to not be scared. And I want to write the book. And I want to do all of that with you. So that's our film today that we're looking at. Uh, it's a beautiful drama and comedy with Billy Crystal. He wrote it, actually, and then starred in it. And it's a story about this aging comedy writer, Charlie Burns, who happens upon a New York street singer, Emma Page, and they develop this unlikely friendship. So I ask you this morning, what happened to your friendships during the pandemic? Or may I say, what is happening? <laughs> to your friendships during the pandemic. You know, I've spoken with a few who have said to me that uh, they really have developed some unlikely friendships over this period of time. But I've actually spoken with many more people who have said their friendships have been strained during this time. Uh, differences of opinion, differences of practice, sometimes not being able to be in proximity, trying to figure out video conferencing and Zoom and all the different ways we had to stay in touch when we truly could not be around one another anymore. It's put an unusual strain on all of our relationships. And so whenever Pastor Heather recommended that we look at this movie, I thought this is great in order to be able to see how sometimes in the midst of the unexpected, God can show up and offer us grace in an unlikely friendship. It's kind of like what happens between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch from our text. And so my, my prayer this morning is that as we read this gospel message out of the book of Acts of how Jesus comes to impact the, the eunuch's life, and then remember he is on his way back to Ethiopia and there shares the good news of Jesus Christ with a whole new continent of Africa. In fact, even today, some of the most ancient Christian practices are in the Ethiopian Christian church, and it's traced back to this chance meeting between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, another unlikely friendship. So we're looking at this lens of hope through this movie here today, but also through the text out of the book of Acts. So let's look a little bit more at this uh, unlikely encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip has taken a major detour from the area where he was sent. So let's just put a little context around it. And if you remember your geography, if you're thinking of what we now know of as the Holy Land, Philip's initial uh, 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 charge was to evangelize in the Samaritan territory. Now that would have been in the northern part of what we know of as the Holy Land, way far away from Jerusalem. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 8, one of the things it says is that the, the good news of Jesus Christ centers there in Jerusalem, where the disciples then take it to Judea, kind of the surrounding community, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So in this particular story, we're seeing that it has now branched out beyond Judea, that Philip is up in Samaria in the northern part, and there he's trying to bring this good news uh, to the Samaritans, who you might remember are kind of arch enemies of the Jews, sort of 
uh, similar to them, which sometimes makes it harder for us to love people. In case you haven't noticed that sometimes, you know, when, when they're a little bit like us, we struggle even more than someone who's completely different. So that was the case between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so he's been up there, but he gets this nudge, the, the passage says, from the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I would ask you, have you ever had a Holy Spirit nudge? Sometimes we even recognize it as such. It was the case for Philip. He says, wait a minute. I, I'm not exactly sure why, but the, the Spirit has told me to go south, way south, to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, way south, way far away from where he was. Now, we come to the other character in the story, the e Ethiopian eunuch. He is a long way away from home, friends. And the text tells us that he has been to Jerusalem because he wanted to worship. We don't really know what his status is. It would be hard to know, actually, whether he was Jewish. He could not have been fully Jewish because he was a eunuch. Whether he was sort of a God-fearer, someone who believed in Yahweh and believed in the, the scriptures, the Old Testament text that spoke of where God was leading them toward a Messiah. We don't quite know what his uh, experience was, but we know that somewhere there was a, an element of hope in him that sent him away from home, away from his stately duties. He was the, the in charge of the treasury for the queen of Ethiopia. And he obviously took some vacation time to go to church camp. I mean, you know, this kind of, that's probably not a good parallel, but it's close, right? So he goes up to Jerusalem, and he's been there for worship, and he's on his way back home, and he is in his chariot, which tells us he has means, right? And he is reading, which means he must have a scroll because there are no books at that point in time. And what is he reading? He's reading from the prophet Isaiah, which at that point in time, the, the uh, practice was that you would read aloud. So we know that he's wealthy, we know that he has means, we know that he's a devoted uh, person of faith of some, some sort, and that he's being drawn to passages out of Isaiah that describe what we now call the suffering servant. And so he begins to, to read these words. We're going to put them up on the screen for you here. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. Hmm. Pastor Heather asked me this morning if I was going to tell you what a eunuch is, and I decided I'm not. I'll let you look that up. You've got your phones. You can Google it. But if you come to this passage with that perspective... Would you wonder if maybe it's talking about you? And if you're hopeful, if you've gone all the way to Jerusalem from Ethiopia to be in the place of worship, and you've been excluded because according to the Levitical Code, you have been mutilated, friends. You are not pure. You do not belong. You cannot be in the intimate expression of worship among the Jewish people. Would you hope? So he, he asks Philip, kind of in that putting the toe in the water way. He says, what, what do you think this is saying here? And, and, you know, he says, Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? 
Well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? But I have hope, hope that maybe, maybe it's talking about me, me. In spite of his status, friends, he's wealthy, he's educated, he can read, he drives around in a chariot, in a Rolls Royce. In spite of all of that, he still feels like he's lacking. Because what he really wants to be is included. He has all the stuff. He just doesn't belong. And he wonders, what would it take to be included in the circle of God's beloved? So his last question to Philip is beautiful in the uh, commentaries I was reading this week. They talked about the power of each question, and we just didn't have time to go into that. But I want to come to this last question for you, friends. He asks Philip, so what is to prevent me from being baptized? Now, with the lens that we bring to this passage, we see it sort of as a, of course, I came to understand Jesus, I came to believe in him, now I'm going to be baptized. But I'm here to tell you that whenever I visit with many adults who have not been baptized, it's not quite like that. Even if baptism is good news for them, they're like, really, do I have to do that in front of people? I don't know. And so there is a natural hesitancy here, and I want us to be able to feel that in the text. Because really, probably the way that this question was phrased to Philip is, so is there anything that would prevent me from being baptized? And you know what he expected Philip to say? You betcha. (laughs) There's a lot. Right? Baptism, we believe, is the initiation into Christ's holy church. It means you belong. You are now included In this circle of God's beloved, God has claimed you just as God claimed Jesus at his baptism. It means you're fully in. And he says, so what, if anything, could prevent me from being baptized? Quite a lot, actually. He belonged to the wrong nation. He held the wrong job. And he was less than according to the Levitical code, right? And you know what the text indicates? There's no response verbally from Philip. At least it doesn't tell us that. It says, and immediately they found some water and he baptized him. Whoa, have you ever had that happen to you whenever you feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, be included in this particular event? I know whenever we were uh, in college, some of the things that we did probably shouldn't be told from the pulpit but we would often try to get into places that we weren't supposed to try to get into you know and whenever you do whenever you make it in you're like oh wow I didn't think I was going to make it I thought they were going to tell me no and that's where Philip is right he's like oh they let me in can you believe me I'm sorry the the eunuch they let me in I can't believe it they let me in really calls to mind what Paul says in the 8th chapter of Romans. He's, he's trying to help the people that he's writing to understand, is there any barrier, right? Is there anything that could stand in the way of God's love reaching you? And this is what he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen? Right? And you can make that list go on and on and on. Is there anything that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Does it matter where you're from, what nation you hail from? No. Does it matter whether a choice was made for you before you could make that choice for yourself? No. Does it matter that that you stand alone in many of your social circles because you don't fully belong? No. No. There isn't anything that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how long do you think that the Ethiopian had been searching for the good news Philip offered him that day? I mean, we get the feeling from the text that this is sort of a chance encounter. But I wonder if there had been a lot of sleepless nights on the part of that eunuch. Will there ever be a day? Will I ever meet someone who will help me? I wonder how many times he had asked someone to help him understand why he was feeling drawn to the scriptures, especially to this character of the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. Help me understand. I, I feel like there's something here for me, something holy, something good. Help me understand how many times had he prayed to God, just make me good enough to worship you in spirit and in truth. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Some have. That is a painful prayer to pray, friends. Make me good enough, oh God, that I can stand before you revealed. That I can be honest, not just in front of you, but in front of everyone else in my life. That I can be fully included as I am. As I am. Yeah. This Ethiopian had been longing for that for a very long time. And sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but exclusion is painful enough to make us give up on God. Maybe you've talked to somebody who has had that experience with the church. The church. The one place where we're supposed to be included, right? But they'll tell you, no, no, I wasn't. Sometimes exclusion, the pain of it, is enough to make you give up on God's people. Sometimes the pain of exclusion is enough to make you give up. But this Ethiopian without a name is still holding on to hope. Praise God. And he finds it in an unlikely friendship. When Philip, who was way up in the north, somehow heard the Holy Spirit and he went to the south and voila. I always have this image in my mind of, you know, the chariot's probably not, you know, going at a slow pace. And Philip's you know, walking along, you know, trying to get catch the, the chariot. Hey! Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I was in that chariot, I'd say, uh, excuse me, what are you doing? You know, it's an amazing meeting. Do you have any unlikely friendships in your life? Would you be open to the Holy Spirit's nudge should God choose to place someone in your path? I just 
want to know, is there any openness? Because that's really what we see from Philip, is that he was open to it. Barbara Brown Taylor asks it this way in her commentary from Feasting on the Word. She says, how many of our accidental encounters with other people are really divine appointments? And my experience in my life is I have a lot more of those when I'm open to them. So I got to hear this great story about an unlikely friendship this week, discovered at Panera, right? The places where all, uh, the place where all unlikely friendships are discovered. But my friend, who was telling me this story, had shown up early at Panera to enjoy a tiny bit of coolness. She wanted to sit outside, and friends, you got to get there early <laughs> to enjoy a little bit of coolness right now. And she saw an elderly woman who was at another table, and she had two beverages sitting there. And so she assumed, right? Oh, someone's coming to join her. No one ever came to join her for quite a while. And so the person that I was visiting with is just naturally curious. She's one of those people that she'll talk to almost anyone. <laughs> and so she went up to her and she's like, hey, I saw you sitting here. You've been here for a while. Are you waiting for someone? No. So they began this conversation. And she was telling me about this. She discovered that this woman's name is Marjorie, and she's 90 years old, and she's looking for a job to keep her busy, but she doesn't get on the internet, so she can't fill out the application at Walmart, and, you know, and she was talking about how the, my friend asked her, you know, well, why don't you just get a job here? Like, you're here every day, you know, and she's like, oh, I don't want to put that manager in a bad position. He might not want to hire me. And so, you know, this interesting conversation ensues, and she discovers that Marjorie lives alone because all of her family's passed, even her kids. She finds out that Marjorie used to have a connection to a church, but something happened there. She doesn't know what it was, and church just isn't a, a place where she can go anymore. And she's actually lost most of her friendships over the last four or five years, because you can guess why, right? Little difference of opinion about a lot of different things, politics, public health, the pandemic. And so she comes to Panera just so she doesn't have to be alone. She comes there almost every morning to drink her two iced vanilla lattes. She's a great conversation partner for, for my friend. And she was so excited to tell me that story. She said, oh my gosh, Charlotte, she was amazing. She was quite a, a spark. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and she said, I told her, I'm going to come back here and see if you're here on another morning. Maybe we can visit some more. Friends, how many of our accidental encounters with other people are really divine appointments? If we can see them that way. I, I'm going to be honest with you this morning and tell you that this has been a difficult week for me. I don't know if it has been for some of you, but... When we received the news, and it was everywhere, that the CDC has changed their guidance, right? Even if you're vaccinated, you need to go back to wearing masks because it is possible. We're finding out more and more to infect each other, even if you're vaccinated. And, you know, that's what I heard up here in my head. Right? And I can make sense of that. I, I understand like, okay, well, you know what? When you have a new vaccine and you have a novel virus and you don't always know how it's going to act. And so, of course, things are going to change and you have to kind of follow along and, and change in accordance with that. 
But down here, I felt something very different. You know what I felt down here? No! No! I don't want to go back. I don't like masks. I don't like not being able to eat with people. I don't like not being able to go where I want and do what I want and visit with who I want and hug who I want. I don't like that. And so it was really hard on my soul. Because you know how when you feel something that you think, I shouldn't feel this. I should feel something different. I should be more gracious. I should be more accommodating. I should be more ready to say, okay, I'll change. I'll change. And you know what? I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to change. I don't want to do this. And so I kind of lost my hope there for about 24 good hours. You know, like, gosh, this is hard. I don't like it. And so then I started working on my sermon, actually, right about that same time. And I thought, we got to have some hope this morning, friends. It's, it's hard where we are. And, and one of the beautiful things and difficult things is it's hard for everyone, right? It, nobody gets to be the exception here. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's everybody. It's hard for all of us right now. And so I wonder, this morning as we come to the communion table, if we might be able to perceive that God is still at work, right? In unlikely friendships, in unlikely ways. But we have to be open to that. So let us be aware of what God is doing among us in the places where we would least expect it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.